This episode of Reasonably Spontaneous Conversation is brought to you in part by Clay Boykin Life and Business Coaching, because we all get stuck at times. For more information, visit clayboykin.com. By Janelle Bean, for fun and engaging children's books with cute and colorful characters. For more information, visit janellebean.com. And by Wise Owl Organizing, simply set up for you. Organizing consulting and clarity coaching, virtual or in person. For more information, visit wiseowlorganizing.com. Hello, world. It's me, Dennis, and I am here with Kim Curtis. Hello, Kim. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Dennis. Welcome to Reasonably Spontaneous Conversation. And when I when I named it this, I did it on purpose because I want this to be an open flow back and forth as to who we are. And and and, and Noemi, Noemi got a chance to uh, introduce us. And uh, and I believe in uh, that the universe is user friendly. And that that we get an opportunity to to we have a mold that we can have. And if we open ourselves up, we're going to be able to connect serendipitously and synchronously into getting a chance to get to know each other. And that's where I come to you today. Mm, mm, I love that. Let's do it. All right. So here's what I want to do first. Uh, Noemi told me that you are a middle child. <laughs> And yeah. I want to know a middle child story. <laughs> I want you to look back into your and say, okay, here's a middle child story. Because all of us who have had those experiences within families, I want to know yours. <laughs> well, I look forward to finding out what yours is, but your birth order. Yeah, uh, middle of three girls. I've never been asked this question before, believe it or not. Um, and we're all uh, stair-stepped stair -stepped two years apart. Mm -hmm. And I think the blessing of a middle child is that I could hang out with my older sister or my younger sister, and I became this really good negotiator. <laughs> and, and it actually ended up is what I started to do in my, and I do it every day in my life as it relates to money and couples, kind of holding the container and facilitating conversations that sometimes are difficult. And I think that's what I learned, uh, navigating that landscape. How wonderful. <laughs> where were you, where were you growing up? You mean location? Yeah. I grew up in Buffalo, in a small town outside of Buffalo, New York. Um, you know, that Nice yeah. community that, yes. that straddles kind of near Niagara Falls between mm -hmm. the Canadian border and the state of New York. Did you have an enriched childhood? Did you have, you know, were you surrounded by books and ideas and thoughts? What was <laughs> what was going on there? Wow. You know, Dennis, that is such a great question because I could only wish that I had books and ideas and great thoughts. That was not my background. Wow. Uh, I was actually the first to go to college in terms of a four-year degree. Yeah. So my background was very, very different. Uh, my father worked two jobs in the very beginning. Uh, and he was with uh, a Ford Motor Company, so he got a pension when he retired. But that those days seem long gone, don't they? Wow. Yes, exactly. And because we're not, we're not, we don't have that world anymore. The idea, I, I use this metaphor when I, when I am um, 
uh, doing some speaking is I use the me metaphor of the paint by numbers. And and for, for the, the those out there that don't know, this was very popular back in, in my generation and then down the next generation, your generation, then down on into the, into the world because people would, all you had to do was just paint these numbers and, and you would eventually come up with a beautiful painting if you just painted the numbers. And that's the way it was if you played the corporate game right. You got into it, you did your pension, you did it, and then you would... A, that is no longer. And so now I, I, I transition that to a blank canvas because we now have to create the world. And that's what you're having to do is to help people to create this world uh, that is totally new. Yeah, the, the, the baby boomers were the first generation to experience that transition of being responsible for their retirement. And it's, as you can see, and mm -hmm. as we know, uh, an experiment that has not worked very well. And if it weren't for social security, uh, I think a lot of people would have fallen through the cracks. Uh, social security is actually a stopgap, And it's so important that we have access to something like that to allow for us as United States citizens to be able to know that we're not gonna fall all the way through the cracks because many people never figured out how to manage their own money and uh, all of a sudden get close to the age 62 when they first have access or, or work all the way up to age 70, depending on their situation. So you're absolutely right. It's a very different game as it relates to money and life. And so where, where are you? So one of the things that you talk about in, in your wealth management and in the company that you have, when you started this company, what was, what was your premise? What was your, your your thought of, okay, here's what I want to do? Mm. Thank you for asking that question because um, I have a legal background. So so I have to take a step back uh, because when you asked me about my family, it caught me a little bit off guard being the middle sister, but my parents got divorced when I was a teenager. But my mother said to her three daughters, go to school, college, get your education because no one can take it away from you. So I did. I went to college, first four-year graduate, then went to law school, and right after defaulted on my school loans. I had no business understanding money or the impact of that on credit. So if you think about my legal background um, and then going and negotiation, mediation, arbitration was my area of expertise. And then I actually had a friend that that said financial planning may be a good thing for you because. By the time I had 30, I was a regional vice president in this organization, and I um, I was no longer in settlement conferences. I was no longer negotiating. I was no longer making a difference. I became a spokesperson. So at 30, I'm like, what's next, right? What am I going to do? And it was a quiz, and that quiz said financial planning. So back to your question, I ended up in the brokerage world, um, and and I was there for many, many years. And one day... I read the client investment disclosure statements that are at the back of a statement. And at the time it was eight pages, two to a page. So it was eight pages of tiny, tiny print. <laughs> and as I read it, I read conflicts of interest, disclosures, fees, 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 fees. And a tear came down my, my chin. And it was like one of those moments in time where you recognize I'm not a fiduciary that puts clients first. 
I am a salesperson. And of course, everybody in that industry wants to do their best work. Sure. But the way it is structured is I was in sales. So it was at that moment in time that I recognized I needed to create Wealth Legacy Institute, which is a firm that I have today. And that was 15 years ago. And I realized that clients need to be first, not last. And uh, the work that we do is so beautiful. We're kind of this little small giant. Um, and I am in alignment with my values. And once you're in alignment with what you love and you have passion for it, all of a sudden it's so much easier. And you have this flow that just is fun and playful and um, on track. Right. Im impact. Exactly. And that's what we're doing. So, so let me, let me add one of the things. <laughs> that was that, a long answer. Sorry, Dennis. <laughs> not, uh, act, actually, it is not a long answer because this is exactly what I'm looking for. Because I'm looking, I'm looking for depth rather than sound bites. Okay, so go as deep as as we can because we're talking. One of the things that we that that because you've done so much television and you've done so much uh, so much in, in broadcasting, let's dig into this this aspect of uh, money and uh, our own self worth and our own self image because money is it's at the emotional level that you deal with it, the healings that are there. Could you could you talk some about that and help me explore that? Because uh, you, one of the things that you say is that that your relationship with money, our relationship with money starts on the inside. <laughs> You've done a lot of research. Yeah, uh, um, you know, when I when I share the story of my past and here I am the CEO of a wealth management firm, a lot had to happen in between. Yes. To get to where I am. And uh, what it, I actually had um, a gift. It was an anonymous donor that put $1,000 on my school loan debt. And surprisingly, I happened to open the statement because my head was in the sand. Um, and I noticed that the balance went down. What happened when that occurred? Because it was anonymous. I couldn't, I couldn't go to them and say, why me? Or what do you want from me? Or any of those things. So I had to have the conversation with myself. And the conversation was, what did they see in me that I don't see in myself? Who am I and what do I believe in about me? And that conversation was an instant. It was actually like a snap, uh, similar to when I read that brokerage statement, disclosure statement, that I realized that I did not have any self-respect for myself. And when I recognized that it was that I was unconscious around money and me personally it was that journey it wasn't a, it was a snap on self-respect and that act of love and that act of love took me to a place that oh my gosh events happen in our life but we we have a, a choice on how we respond to those events and that determines our outcomes and once i understood that i was a hundred percent responsible for the outcomes in my life uh, then everything started to unfold. You know, that that's where, <clears throat> when I get out of my victimhood, because that's what the, the, the so much of our, our, our life right now puts us into so much of the media puts us into our victimhood mm -hmm. that it says, and it's victimhood, even if you're telling me that if I buy this, I'm going to be happy. If I get this, if I acquire this, that, that that's a secret then I'm going to be happy. It's not true. It's always been an inside game. 
it's always been, if I can't find it here, I'm not going to find it once I acquire it when I'm out there. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that how you do money is how you do life. And if your head is in the sand on money, it's in the sand on life. Uh, and there's an area that you need to work on. And so if you, if you believe that, then you start to understand what am I doing and my life around money. And that's what happened. Uh, I recognize that it's an internal game, not an external game, but, but that actually goes to a different point. And the different point is that there are two laws of money. The human made laws are what I do every day. It's, it's portfolio construction, tax mitigation, retirement planning, estate, all tied together. Uh, and that's what I do. The human made laws. But the natural money laws is what we miss often. And that's really the key. The natural money laws are, um, we know them inherently. It's gratitude. It's um, giving and receiving, ebb and flow, cause and effect, cause, uh, you know, intention and desire. Those things bring up emotional inside of joy, worthiness, love impact so those feelings are all like inside of us and we know it when we feel it because it's here heartfelt that's the natural money laws and that's what creates money because because the human-made laws which is what most of us start out with and we're in it as a capitalistic society that we're immersed in it and culture and various other things that oftentimes women don't necessarily respond as easily to the human made money laws, because those were defined and determined and created in the early 1900s by men. And so it's harder for women to get excited about GDP and capital markets and investing, but it's easier for them to get more excited about financial planning and goal setting and how it impacts their family and what's the bigger vision for them and their mate as they walk through life and their children and, and the future of their children and grandchildren and, and children not born yet. So if we understand the natural money laws and it's an inside game and you need both, you need both. Yes. Then I think it's so much easier to have success around money and, and that wealth consciousness that you started to mention in the question. And then when we talk about the relationship of self-love mm. and money, I'm very interested in that because I think there is something, there is something within me that that is in giving myself permission that can get me into that because I think of myself as a because I'm a capitalist I've always loved capitalism I think that it can be it can be a, a, a it's this enormous wonderful force I I just like my capitalism to have a bottom line of many different colors so that there <laughs> are so so that there are many opportunities for me to be able to use the money and the resources that are that are in there in order for me to be able to succeed and grow the pie this zero sum idea that there's only so much pie to go around around it it's not been my experience that there is a continual growing of abundance that we can get to i absolutely agree with you dennis i mean when you think about money and what is money i mean it's this it's this it's this invisible thread that navigates our inhuman existence. And it's defined as an exchange to facilitate global, our global world, our global economy. And yet by itself, it's empty. It's empty. It needs, it needs your ideas 
to turn it into something. Your vision, your ideas, your beliefs, to turn it into something because otherwise it's it's just empty. You know, saying how I grew grew back, I grew up in in the Buffalo area. When you think of the vast Niagara Falls, hmm. beautiful. The energy wow. around those falls is just breathtaking. That supplies the lion's share of the state of New York's electricity because of the power plants along its banks. It's so the the falls needs the power plants to get its power. Similar to the way, in the same way, money needs your ideas to be of use to the world. That's really an important message. Yes, yes. And that's where, and, and one of the things that, that I think that is so important to me right now is to bring women into the decision-making uh, aspect, we are over masculine and under feminine, because we cannot populate our thoughts, our ideas. I, I, I was thinking, you know, as, as we get to a certain place where we're drilling holes in mountains in order to make those in order to make those tunnels and do that. And that's a good place for mask for the for the male mm -hmm. energy to be able to mm -hmm. do. But when we get into these areas of negotiation and complexities and, and knowing how we need a masculine and feminine principle, we got to, we've got to bring women into the boardrooms and bring women into uh, the decision making into the leadership roles, and get this balance because we cannot do it by ourselves. It's not yeah, it's really not sustainable uh, with an unbalanced world. And and we get that. I mean, just look at nature. I mean, when it's out of balance, what happens? So it's really important to understand and, and for those listeners out there, that if you feel like money is not your game, like, you know, oh, no, no, that's not yeah. for me. Uh, what story are you telling yourself? Because we all have a reaction to money. It's visceral. It's, it's inside of us. I mean, it's, it's when you walk down the street and you turn the corner and there's this really awesome Ferrari parked there. Mm -hmm. I have a 22-year-old son. He stops and he's likely to take a picture of it. Or you're you're in your car and a homeless person comes by and they're they they're asking for money. You have a reaction, and that reaction is is your money receptor. So if you think about science and neuroscience, we have the body needs a way to understand what's going on, you know, in our system. So it like antigens, hormones, even sunlight, so that every every outer cell is, are these little receptors that tell us what we need. And so if you think about it, if that's the case, then how do we increase our money receptor? Absolutely. And that's where it comes to ideas. So ideas, you know, first of all, self-respect, which I said in the very beginning. And once you have self-respect, you're more likely to have ideas because you're taking ownership for your life. And once you have ideas, ideas are unlimited. They're abundant. So half the ideas aren't going to be very good. They're, they could be terrible. But because you don't care and they're unlimited, you don't get frustrated about yourself. And when you get in that space of unlimited and abundance, all of a sudden, more ideas, more creativity, more curiosity comes in play and money follows because you're magnetic enough for money to follow. Yes. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. Because I mean, I, I have that happen in my life over and over and over again. 
because I see that I'm mean, it is a one of the things that I'm excited about one is this idea of that because the people that that, that you're working with as they're getting toward retirement mm-hmm. I'm looking at retirement because I'm 74 this year, and I feel like I'm just in the prime of my career. I'm just in the prime of my life. And so I was thinking about retirement as like an Indianapolis 500 term, (laughs) is that you go into the pits, put four more tires on, retire, and get back out onto the, because Mm. this is when people have the financial security to be able to do, then they can explore their ideas, they can explore their, explore their way to contribute as the ways to process. So you're, the people that you're working with must be thinking about that now, because it's a new, it's a new way of, of, of living. It, it really is, Dennis. I mean, it's like, what's the next 30 of your life, you know, yeah. or the last 30, depending on how you want to look at it. Sure. If, if the best way to describe it is if you had a pyramid, mm-hmm. people come to firms like ours because they have money that they want managed. They want help in the management of their money. That's the bottom of that pyramid. If you go up one, you t- add that managing money to a financial plan, all of a sudden, and goals, all of a sudden, you have purpose. You 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 have a track to run on. So the two need to be together. You can't have investing money without a plan because when the capital markets are uncertain like they are now, all you see is a rate of return number that feels terrible instead of knowing how does that impact me directly. Because once you tie it to a financial plan, it otherwise it's like investing. Um, it's like archery would be a great archery without a bullseye. Yes. So you got to tie it to the financial plan. And then once you have a financial plan, all of a sudden you have this peace of mind because money generally is frenetic. Yes. It's crazy. And working with a firm like ours is you wanted to put it down here in your foundation. So once you tie your investing to a plan, all of a sudden you have a foundation that you have room to breathe so that you can have lifestyle. That's that next on that pyramid. And then the top, Apex is impact. When you have peace of mind and you're living the life that you want, all of a sudden it gives you space to think, what is my passion? Where do I want to spend my time and energy? Because you're not thinking about money. It's already down here supporting you. So that's off the table. You never think about it anymore. I mean, of course you do, but not in that frenetic way that allows you the freedom to expand your vision, which is what you're describing and what you are doing right now. Yes. And so, so what is driving you today? Mm. What are the, what, what are the, the changes at this particular time in your life that the, the things that are your curiosity, that, because I want to go back to one thing. One of the things that's so, uh, I know that the reason why Alcoholics Anonymous succeeded is because it was alcoholics helping other alcoholics because they've been there. You've been there. You have mm-hmm. been, so you're not sitting there to your clients going, oh, well, as you know, I've always had this uh, mm, fine and I'll teach you how to do it for you, you, uh, but you're not, you've been there. You've been completely flummoxed by the, mm-hmm. by, by the, the concept and being able to, and you, so you've learned that path that gives you credibility with me that I can feel mm-hmm. so much more comfortable in doing this. So now, so here you are right now at this mm-hmm. particular time in your life. Mm-hmm. What's impelling you? 
what are the curiosities that are coming up? What's the drive that are, that is so that is just so evident in you uh, right now? I want to know more. <laughs> That's a wonderful question. Uh, you know, when you're in alignment with what you love, you have passion. Yes, and, which you do. And so, what is <laughs> going you. on? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that I think the conversation around money needs to change. Uh, which we already talked about a little bit. I think that prosperity in the United States and financial literacy really needs to be unpacked in a way for us to have sustainability. Mm -hmm. I think that if we can't balance the budget in our uh, capital or in our household or in our community, we have a lot of work to do. So starting ground level with each household, and it starts with conversations that you have with your children. Um, and to have those conversations, because in the very start of our, our, our talk today in mm -hmm. terms of being spontaneous, I didn't have a lot of books. I loved books, but I went to the library to find them. <sighs> I didn't have anything around me that inspired me to think big. It was more survival. Like Maslow's, we could change that pyramid to Maslow's hierarchy, and I was at the bottom of that pyramid, survival. <sighs> so I think... I think I want to expand people's wealth consciousness. I want people to understand that everyone has access. If I could do it, everyone else can. And what does that mean? And don't be afraid of it. Unpack the scripts that you've been telling yourself, which is where I went on the receptors, um, is we all, you, people could be judging us right now on this conversation. That's it. You know, kind of take a moment to think, how do you feel about the conversation that we're having? Are you judging it? Do you think she is pretty much crazy? Or some of you may think, wow, there must be something there for me. And they're naturally curious. Yeah. Those that are naturally curious know that they're getting something out of this today. Yeah. And I, well, I want to, I, I, I love that because I feel that, that, that there is a, there, there is an attraction for people who will, who will say, oh, this really resonates with me because we're, there are things that we're told and are these things true, but we have to test them ourselves. And that's what you're asking us to be able to do is to be able to test these things for ourselves and to see what is exactly, how does it resonate? What is, one, one of the questions I want to ask you, Kim, <laughs> is, is, is that because I think of when, when, you're, when you're around or you're connecting with people who have, uh, tens of millions, or maybe even hundreds of millions or a billion. One of the questions I'm interested in is that what is enough? <laughs> Where do we think of that? Because as capitalists, we have to, I have to think of that in my own. So I will know when I get there. Mm -hmm. So that I will know that anything over that is going to be enough. But when when I see uh, when I see the 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 uh, wealth or or Jeff Bezos who has a yacht that his yacht has a yacht inside of it <laughs> to take care of it, I'm going how how many will it be until Jeff goes, you know? I got enough. Yeah, you know, it, you could have all the money in the world and be unhappy. Exactly. That's that's my question yeah. about our own humanity and where we're going because as as we're as we're looking to build the the this community 
because we know that there's enough wealth to go around. Mm -hmm. And how do we mm -hmm. figure that as capitalists to be able to know, because I know as a white male and I came from privilege. So mm -hmm. I was always, I was always had the opportunity to have the door opened for me. Mm -hmm. There were always, when I went in, there were men of my gender, of my melanin, my, my skin tone in those rooms. They were the mm -hmm. ones who I was the first, well, I got the first audition. I may not have always gotten the role, but I got the audition. While other people didn't even get, women, yeah. people of color, didn't mm -hmm. even get into the room to be able to get that audition. So I understand, I understand what that's like. But now, what do we do with this? So we have this this opportunity to be able to see where does, how do we get an opportunity to level the playing field enough? Because I believe in people. I believe what you said about purpose. Mm -hmm. We're purpose driven. Mm -hmm. You give people the opportunity, they are going to rise to that. Yeah, I, I that's a big, big question because starting out with what is enough, do we have enough? Uh, because generally, our culture comes from scarcity. Exactly. Um, and and fear and greed are the two ends of the spectrum when right. it comes to money. And so how do we deal with this as capitalists? Because we are, yes. we are capitalists, and we need to deal with fear and greed. And to have that as part of our part, part of our set that we have to talk about. It really comes, it comes back to understanding that there's two laws of money, and we've lost sight of the natural money law. And so if, and the natural money law is right here. We, you know, the human made money laws is education. You have to get smart. You want to understand uh, what is involved in that process and the nature of what I do. But the natural money laws are, are accessible without any money. You don't need any money to have access to the natural laws of money. And when you have access to the natural laws of money, you then become curious about the human made laws of money and you need them both together. So I think the more we expand the dialogue of money to get out of the human made laws of money, even though we need it, and to talk more about the wealth consciousness side and that you have access. And it's such a deeper conversation because a conversation, remember I said self-respect and self-respect is the precursor to love. And many women give to other people before they give to themselves and they don't self-respect themselves or give themselves time for their needs and what they want. And I think that as moms, as grandmothers, as parents, that if you take care of yourself first, kind of like the oxygen mask on the, on the plane, give it to yourself first before your child, and you claim that, I think that is the start. Because I don't think any mom or father or parent wants their child to not be financially literate, yeah. to end up struggling in this world from a place of, you know, catching up. So if you don't do it for yourself, do it for the next generation so that they're smarter about it. And that starts with conversations around money and unpacking your money scripts and talking to your children about when I grew up, here's what happened with me. And here's how I feel about it. So I, I think having conversations at the table, having conversations in your house, talking about money is so important. And a lot of us talk more about sex than we do about money. And that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me, but we do in our culture. And I think it's really important to talk about money because if you think that's crazy, then that's one of your money scripts. 
and one of your manuscripts is that money is dirty or it's inappropriate or uncouth or whatever. So, well, let's make it couth. <laughs> so let's, we'll, we'll do that. Now, before yes. we close off for our first conversation today, and which means I'm going to be chasing you for another, so that we can have a deeper conversation on this, Kim, is there anything that we haven't talked about today that you just for today, that you want to make sure to land this and to be able to talk about this for today? Yeah, you know, particularly with what's going on with the volatility of the capital markets. Yes, there's there's no amount of rate of return that can create an extraordinary life. Say it another way is that mm -hmm. there's no amount of money that can create an extraordinary life. And once you understand that, then I think your life will be abundant. Yeah. Our our lives and that's and and the the abundance is so much of a permission that I give myself. I love your focus upon gratitude, mm -hmm. uh, your your focus upon for, for the things that we have. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I live in the kings did not live as well as I did. My air is conditioned. Mm -hmm. I have I can drink water right out of a tap. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife and I, we 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 have a clothes, we have a machine that washes clothes and dries the oh my goodness now if i want to feel that wealth if i want to feel the abundance now i can get an opportunity to then see how i can then use the skills and the gifts that i've been given in order to be able to bring some purpose to my life that's right that's right and and you know i'm i'm going to miss miss this quote but i think it was the dalai lama that said that it will be the Western women will pave the way for the rest of the world in understanding humanity and that we are bigger than ourselves. Thank you. And thank you. And I, I so appreciate your journey coming through. I, I have seen and experienced and interviewed so many women in this world and to see the kinds of challenges that you've had to go through in order to be able to be where you are and to stand up as a leader uh here and i want to thank you for that i want to thank you for that as a as a citizen of this country as a as a citizen of this planet to know that you're there helping us to change the scripts mm -hmm. so that we will know that there is a better way and there's a better path for be able to do this in balance and gratitude and love still taking all of those things with the tools of management and knowing budgets and knowing all all of the numbers i love the, your combination of the physical and the metaphysical because both of those things come together and we use them in a synergistic way yeah i am duality <laughs> quantitative qualitative you know uh, left brain right brain <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Kim Curtis. Thank, thank you. you so much for this time. And I look forward to seeing you and thank every one of you for joining us during this time. And I hope that you will join us the next time that we get a chance to talk with Kim Curtis. Bye, everybody. This episode of Reasonably Spontaneous Conversations has been brought to you in part by In Search of the New Compassionate Male. For more information, go to newcompassionatemail.com.